Who the bloody hell's that? Should indeed. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. Hello and welcome to chapter 56 of the Corona Diaries Exhale. There you are. Did well this morning. <coughs> oh dear. Six seconds. <laughs> Made me wheeze a bit like that. <laughs> you, you exhale like somebody who's been on woodbines for most of his life. <laughs> I've been on all sorts, dear. Ah, oh, yes. Well, let's not go there. Let's Maybe not go there. Woodbines, we, we were just talking about your birthday, but I don't know how much of it we could actually repeat, really. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, that sounds uh, really leading. I know. Doesn't it? Like it does I've, sound leading, like doesn't I've it? I've been yeah. snorting cocaine off hookers' tits or something, and I haven't. Um, Christine. Well, if it if it's tits, it's a lot of cocaine. <laughs> I would have expected it to be tit in the singular. <laughs> so that's the gonna... rock beast in me coming out, but I've put ah, it that's back. The old rock beast. I've put it back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Back in but the you rocks. had you had a nice birthday. I did. Yes, it wasn't rock beasty at all. It was family money. Uh, mm. It was really nice. Yeah, but, uh, my sisters saw. I saw my sisters. I saw uh, my kids. I saw my grandchild Ronnie, and everybody was in a good mood. Yeah. Um, and as the day wore on, everybody got into a better mood yeah. uh, on account of the drink. Um, always the drink. But yeah, we had a lovely time. We had a lovely. Lynetta made me a lemon drizzle cake, which is oh. her thing, my favourite thing. I'm not very cakey normally. No. But uh, you can get round me with a lemon drizzle. That's a t shirt. You can get all the way round me, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you were saying that, that you'd been sent a number of eye tags. Is it iTags they're called? I think so. Yeah, those Apple things for lost things. Yes, I got, I got, I got two of those for my birthday. From for some reason, Lynette from Vibes thought they'd be a good idea. So I've now got one on my keys and one on my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that's great. I just think that's absolutely great. You're going to need a few more, aren't you? Invented for me and Rick Armstrong, the eye tag. <laughs> he's as bad as I am. He is as bad as you are. Yeah, he's dreadful. Yeah, because you need some for your sunglasses. Are they small? How big are they? Oh, yeah. No, too big for sunglasses. Right. Well, I guess, you know, you could Harold that one on the side. <laughs> if you didn't mind looking a bit divvy. <laughs> So th- this morning, I I thought I'd sit down and watch the documentary that was in the Afraid of Sunlight reissue. Mm. So the, the big posh five-disc reissue thing with the remixes and everything. Mm. 
I sat down and watched the documentary because I thought, well, that, that'll be good because there's, there's bound to be stuff we got wrong last week and there's bound to be things that we missed and what have you. So I, I thought, you know, put that on, bit of, bit of, bit of inspiration. Yeah, nothing. It just looks like we've covered pretty much everything that was in the documentary we actually covered last week. It's incredible, really, because I've never watched it and uh, I normally would have forgotten everything. So I've, I've, done, I've done quite well, even if that's not of much use. No, I've, I've, I, I wish I'd known beforehand and I could have congratulated you on the, on the pod last week. <laughs> yeah, and, and saved yourself a morning of viewing. And, and saved yourself 45 minutes worth of viewing, yeah. Um, though it's, it's worth watching if you've not seen it. Um, it's worth watching. And if you haven't got the reissue, why haven't you got the reissue? It's fantastic. Um, you know, that's, that's me and Lucy's good books. Um, but, yeah, but we covered pretty much everything. Of the, the things that came up, there are a couple of things that came up and it's probably worth following up on them. Um, but Mark had quite a downer on AOS uh, at the time because it came together too quick. Did he? Yeah. Well, I rest my case. <laughs> <laughs> need, need anyone say more? <laughs> <laughs> no, he thought it was all a bit, you know. He thought it, oh, it, this is this has gone fairly quick, and you know it should be left to breathe for a bit longer, and what have you. Oh Lord, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've lost count of the number of messages I got over the weekend saying AOS is the best album I've ever heard by anyone. <laughs> period. You know, let alone you lot. Uh, so yeah, the case is rested. Mon valise c'est resté. Mm. If that's French for my. Case is rested. <laughs> Say that again. Mon valise c'est resté. <laughs> that probably means my suitcase is asleep. But there well, we are. But it's the same thing. <laughs> Similar. It's, it's the same thing. The, the other thing that was nice on the documentary um, was um, that you still appear, there still appears to be tension about the album cover. Because it was discussed, but but you went a bit prickly when it came up, and you did rather grab the legs of the chair. I've never let that go. No, it's, I mean it's it's just stopped pissing me off lately. Has it? Yeah, yeah. Because I think, I mean, no one in the band has ever come out and said outright, "You were right, H. What were we thinking?" But. Every time I sound off about it, nobody argues with me anymore. So I think they've come round to, uh, you know, what a great. I mean, that was that was the that was Bill Bill Smith and Carl Glover coming to us, going, "What about this?" And me going, "That's great," and everybody else going, "Oh, oh, oh," and then Bill coming back with a. A half naked, underaged boy <laughs> with a ring of fire behind him on brown, and everybody going, "Oh, that's much better." And me just head in hands, you know. I I, I do think the idea of a of a half naked, underage boy with a burning ring does seem a little bit. Yeah, don't get me, don't get me started <laughs> get all over started. again. I've been, you know, I'll just calm down after how many years? Twenty five. <laughs> <laughs> 
Don't I've just this morning calmed down. <laughs> it took me to my 65th year and I've just At calmed least down. It's fucking brown. That's the main thing. <laughs> well, that came into the documentary. The brown. Was through, yeah. The, yeah. The, 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 yeah. Yeah. Every time anyone sends an artwork now, question one is is it brown? <laughs> We feel we we feel we've done brown, so we try and avoid it now. Brown, and the other thing that did make me smile was um, the the bit of um, narration that sits in between. Um, it sits in between Surf Babe and Beautiful, doesn't it? Yes, that was a French uh, lady. Yes, it was a French lady. Yes, and um, and which which is a translation of the middle section of. Uh, whatever isn't it it's the little bit that you wrote yeah the fabulous um, brightly colored birds yeah. coming um, about the forest and and just that little thing of somebody said it was in surf babe and you said it wasn't and then it turns out it was in between and then there was a bit of a kind of you know <laughs> I, you you must get in some right conversations as a group you really must. well it's not in that it's in the middle oh, it's just well, it's like, kind of no it's put not put a microphone in an old people's home you've got it basically <laughs> that you've got you, you've got one day in our studio do you know what? That's it. That's the bit. Because you're all sat round on, on your office chairs looking really a little bit uncomfortable. If I, well, no, let's face it, very uncomfortable, if I'm being honest. And I've just worked out what you were missing. You were all missing tartan rugs uh, over the knees. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, uh, exactly. That's, that was all you needed in your little semicircle. Yeah. And, and somebody print, bringing you your lunch about. Prince Charles opening in something morning. in the background. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, <laughs> so that little curiosity is well worth a watch. It, 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 but what's nice Did about you it hear is that it does... joke about Prince Charles opening the old people's home. He's in the old people's home, and uh, he, he goes, <laughs> and uh, this this old dear says to him, "Can I have a cup of tea?" He "Do you know who I am?" And she says, "No, but if you ask matron, she tells you." <laughs> <laughs> right, carry on. <laughs> I've completely lost my thread. Now. Where's my chips? I told you that joke, you know, about yeah. the ice cream. I thought you were going to segue into that joke. <laughs> we haven't got long enough for that. <laughs> no, 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 that was a golden moment. That was a golden TCD moment. <laughs> it really was. So, consequently, my plans for today have all gone. They've all gone the way of the tit, really, because um, my plan had been to unearth something and there's nothing to unearth. But I did ping you a message um, over the weekend uh, with a little cryptic kind of, uh, do you think a certain person might 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 come on the podcast? Oh, his lord, yes. Yes, Dave, Dave M. Mm. Well, I can ask. I mean, you know, I'm on very... Good terms with him. I hardly ever speak to him, but I'm on excellent terms. <laughs> Lovely good, fellow. I'm on good oh, terms yeah. with him. I hardly ever speak to him, but I'm on really good terms with him. Um, well, I just well, thought, do you know what? If if we think we've mined most of the AOS kind of stuff that... Oh, well, that, can we just go into pause? Because this is, this is proper. Is Hang it? On, just press pause. Well, I'll just keep going and record it all. Hello? Yes. Um, can I get her to call you again? She, 
Yeah, you'll get her on that. Thank you. Bye. And rather unexpectedly, we're back. Um, <laughs> I don't know how much of that phone call made its way in, but 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 we we had to stop momentarily uh, for a very important phone call. We did. It was your broker. So anyway, we were talking about Meeks. Yeah. Yes, yes. We, we were. Because we did such a good job of mining mining the uh, the AOS stuff that I thought, you know, if, if Dave will come on and talk mm. to us about his side of the whole process. Yeah, you um, may remember it. Yeah. It'd be doing It'd be interesting to see if he sounds like your impression, actually. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, oh. <laughs> he does that as well if you mention school or anything like that, or priests. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will mention priests then. <laughs> so oh, if, yes, if yes. you could uh, if you could if you could have a word, drop a text, do whatever okay. you however you normally communicate with him. I will. I'll give him a tug. If you and pardon see if that it... Do anything for me after that. <laughs> I say, if that doesn't do it, um, <laughs> that does. uh, you go and you go and grab Dave. Yes, and, I'll go and, and grab Dave, and see if we can get him along. Which would be which would be uh, which would be cool. Particularly because I would like to talk to him about. I mean, apart from the whole thing of the album, really like to talk to him about the the whole Beyond You, uh, Spectre, all that kind of stuff because that does sound interesting. And you touched on it a little bit in the documentary. It'd be quite nice to really understand how you did that because it sounds like it was a bit of a challenge and it sounds like there was a lot of thought went into the, the bits of instrumentation used and how you got the sounds right and that whole... Because that whole, it does sound Righteous Brothers-esque and it does... When I listened to it again and thought, no... And kind of listen to it in a different way, really. And it's in mono mm. on the original album. I think on the re remaster, we we stuck it in stereo just for the hell of it. But on the originally, it, it was mixed in mono, you know, to be to have the kind of spectre thing. Um, and he'd got um, he'd got magnetic tapes going across the room and round microphone stands and all of that. Um, when he was mixing it to get those, which apparently Spectre used to do to get the really long delays with tape. So wow. yeah, he was he he was uh, he, 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 he I think he more or less pulled it off. But he was he, he had great fun doing it. Actually, mm. as soon as, as soon as we gave him the brief, you know, he was rubbing his hands in glee at the prospect of doing it. And I think he probably read up a little bit on on Spectre and his techniques. Because he, he always used to have, uh, I don't know if we did it, but Phil would always have, he would always double track and then double track and double track, but he'd do it with all the instruments. So he'd have like eight bass guitars. You know, no one ever puts more than one bass down. You know, and he'd have two drum kits or four drum kits and then he'd have, he'd have like six people playing grand pianos at once. You know, to get this sense of it being huge. I don't, mm. I, I don't know to what extent Dave tracked all that up, but he could tell you. Mm. Well, I suppose it might have been easier to have done it. It could, have, I suppose, digitally you can double a little bit easier. That, but I mean, that's interesting having six people playing piano. That really is interesting. He used that... to do that. He'd have several people playing the same thing. 
mm. you know, at once on different instruments. Because no guitarists do that quite a lot, and they'll do that to double up, uh, you know, yeah. and, and try and replicate parts. But like you say, it's it's more of a guitarist thing, really, isn't it, than anybody else's? Yeah, it's not done that often with drums. But no, but it, it's back to used to. He'd, he'd have a couple of drum kits going at once. It it really is a. I mean, I I have to say, I prefer the um, I prefer the mono mix. Uh huh. Um, having listened to the two, uh, and maybe that's because that's what I'm used to. But um, I think that there's just something so special about that mix. It's just the way it comes in and out. It was just fantastic. Um, and I think, to be honest, for, with Spectre, one of my favourite Spectre mixers is he did Instant Karma, didn't he? He will have done, yeah. I think yeah. so. Which I think, and think in terms of the whole knocked out thing, I think didn't they record that very quickly, like in a day? What instant karma? He probably yeah. did. Yeah. And Alan White that... from Yes played drums. Yeah. Because he was in in the Plasticono band. Yeah, I always thought that was a really interesting sounding uh, record and and a really great mix. And I can he I can hear bits of that in Beyond You, if I'm being honest. It sounds different because the songs are quite different, but there's there's bits in the build that I can hear. Here in both, so uh, very impressive. So yeah, we'll see if see if we can get Dave, Dave along to do that. So I'll leave that one with, um, I'll leave that one with you. I'll put it on my list of boxes to tick. And then the only other thing that came out of the documentary, so I have actually got a few bits out of that, um, was Accidental Man. Apparently, there's a there's a version of Accidental Man that was uh, around the AOS time, but with a different um, tune. With a different, there... uh, different set of music. <sighs> Completely that... lost from my memory. Um, that made an impression erased. then. I must have erased it. I probably preferred it, knowing me. Um, <laughs> but um, no, I guess having swatted it a lot to do it live, I've forgotten whatever other form it took. Uh, no, I don't know. I thought it had always gone la 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 la, la. but maybe, it, maybe, maybe we had another version. Mm. Mm. So mm. yes, Mark, Mark, Mark was very insistent there was, and then obviously the other things that came up were the the two or three B sides um, that I think "Live Forever," uh, "Icon." Mm. Um, I don't know whether B sides are jams really. They, they feel a bit more like jams. Then. Yeah, they were just things we threw down, I think. I mean, Icon's quite sort of psychedelic, isn't it? Mm. It's got all that mad kind of... Um, live Forever, that was his, that was John Helmer lyric. You know, I gave up this and I gave up that and I gave up smoking and I gave up blah, blah, blah. But I can't give up believing I'm going to live forever. Mm. Um that was something John sent through and we just threw that down. But um, never really... Yeah, they, they they never really got finished, those ideas. No. Uh, and we needed B-sides, so we just used them. They they both sound like sketches. They don't mm. sound like... I mean, because I'm trying to think if there were any B-sides on. Yeah, there were B-sides for Brave, weren't there? Um, there must have been. <laughs> <laughs> Bound to have been. Bound yes. to have been B-sides for Brave. You'd need to I'm, speak to somebody in the group. I, I know I can't think myself now. There must have been something on the back of the three Singer, singles. On the, the three singles from Brave. There must have been some B-sides. 
Oh, I don't know. Asking they're the all, wrong person. They're all writing. They, 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 the punters know this shit, and there's no point. Yeah, in there's no me. point in us doing it, is there? No. No, do you think they've worked out so far that we're really... Well, I'm really struggling this morning. Do you think they might have put... I mean, I'm, I'm desperately waiting for the phone call. <laughs> I know the other thing I was going to mention. Oh, all right. Apparently Ian was smacked off his tits on Prozac for most of the time you were recording. Oh, how public can I go on this? Yeah, Ian did did go through a phase. I, th- I think it was when, when his first marriage went down. Um... I think he went. He went to the doctor, and uh, you know, there was Prozac was in the news a lot at that point, you know. And I think he thought he was missing out, so I think he went. He went and got some. <laughs> he used to have Viagra. So he gave me a Viagra tablet one day in the studio because he used to go and play tennis. Um, he'd got <laughs> somebody. Somebody put him up. Um, who was putting him up? Let me get this right. I can't, I can't God, I can't, I can't, I better not get this wrong. I probably shouldn't be saying any of it. But he did go and play, he went through a phase of playing tennis with these ladies in Beckenham or wherever. And he'd go and play tennis with the ladies. And they, they gave him Viagra. Um, I think for a laugh, you know, I don't think... For, for practical purposes, but I, who can say? And so uh, he came in one day and was dishing these out and I had one in my wallet for years. <laughs> it's probably still in there with the eye tag. And um, uh, where am I going? What, what, what am I on about? Oh, yeah, and then, and, then, and then he got on a Prozac and he reacted to Prozac by um, cycling a lot. He said he cycled all over the shires. He said it, it made him totally hyperactive. And then one particular weekend um, he decided, you know, because he'd gone sort of, it gave him a sort of mania. And then on this particular weekend he decided to go and see this girl in New Zealand and he got on a plane for however long that takes, 36 hours. And he, he got off the plane in New Zealand, got to the, you know, got into the terminal, thought, what on earth am I doing? And got the next one home. <laughs> he went went to New Zealand for ten minutes. <laughs> I think at that point he thought, maybe this Prozac's not agreeing with me. <laughs> it was when you said he went to New Zealand, I thought, Jesus, that's a long way on a bike. <laughs> I hope, I hope you a puncture repair kit. <laughs> <laughs> no, he did. He went to New Zealand for 10 minutes. I don't know. I'll probably have to check if, if, if we can use that as well. <laughs> how, how did he manage to keep his drumming so restrained? <laughs> I mean, he must have been bashing Mary Hell out of his kit. Yeah, oh. he did. He was. Uh, he, he, I mean, I've 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 had antidepressants and SSRIs, and they never affected me that way. I never felt the need to cycle much, or or take random long haul flights. Yeah, or play tennis uh, in Beckenham. Or, or play. Yeah, I, 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 I think I sat on the sofa at a slightly different angle. That's all that happened, really. <laughs> 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 well, 
Well, we probably ought to leave antidepressants <laughs> there were, alone. There were fewer stab marks in the wall, you know, <laughs> after about three weeks. Slightly less weeping in the corridors. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, always, always a good thing. Always a good thing. Well, we can check with we can check with Ian and, and check that he's happy to, to to mention that. Though I did I did glean that information from a public source, so we're probably fine. What about um, his trip to Australia? Uh, to it's, yes, it's actually it is actually in the notes on the reissue about here about the Prozac. Thing. Oh well, so, we can talk about that. So then. we can, so we can talk about it. About so he's, he's, he's Prozac uh, phase. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know if he knows that it's in it, but it is in it. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anybody's read it, but I've read he'll, it and it's there. He'll have forgotten. So, uh, so yeah. So it is, it is in there. So right. Okay. Well, that's a little bit of backstory. There's a little bit of odd nugget in there that we haven't, we haven't got to last week. It's funny, really, because, you know, Mosley went to New Zealand for the weekend and then, you know, years later, Mark would be going to Brazil for the weekend. For the weekend. <laughs> for the weekend. Know, get, get, <laughs> getting off a plane. <laughs> Seeing his girlfriend getting back on another one, you know, yeah. two hours later. Still. Oh. And the only, the, the final thing, and only because I want to kind of put it to bed, really, we've talked very early on about certain lyrics and certain songs and we had a conversation about lyrically had a, a conversation about beyond you and we said all the way through that, that was something that uh, uh was that you didn't really want to to discuss but it's come up in, in questions from some of the patrons so um i just want to put out there that that's not somewhere we're going to go um it's just an unrequited love song really it's that simple hmm. you know that's it. That's End it. Of. I mean, a bloody amazing unrequited love song, but love song. But we'll leave that one. You know, yeah, what's lovely about it is that ghostly darkness that it's imbued with. Mm. You know, but that, that's we'd work. You know, we were very conscious of that um, while we were putting it together. We wanted it to have that that feeling, and I think I think together with Dave, we sort of nailed it. Mm. I would, I would agree. I think it's a beautiful moment. I think it's a beautiful moment on an incredible album. Um, and, and for the record, it's probably my favourite Marillion song. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, good. it's it's. Uh, if I have to pick, I'd pick that one. So uh, well, all that all that pain and anguish wasn't for nothing. <laughs> no, it seemed to land with me. Um, but um, there's just there's just something about it that's so gut wrenching. That's just you know I I yeah I can't get I can't get past it as the lyric says. So uh, <laughs> so yes, it's up there for me. Right, should we should we head into diary? Yes, uh, and I think we're starting AOS stuff, year. aren't we? We're starting uh, a new year. We're starting 1995. Aren't we? Yeah, June 95, and I think we're just about to start doing. Um, I think they're fan club events, so two or three little fan, which I guess must have been the start of the AOS. Junket and the press stuff and the prep for the tour and because the tour was September, wasn't it? I think uh, it was. It if was. you say so. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. I think that was when we went and and the record label would you know had flown us out to Paris, um, but they hadn't really got anything for us to do when we got there. <laughs> Um, nobody'd really bothered, and I think because it was because it was summer, 
I mean, the music business, I think most businesses, but definitely the music business, traditionally used to just shut down in the summer mm. in Europe. And so to be in Europe promoting an album in summer was kind of strange because everybody was on holiday, all the journal, nobody wanted to interview us. <laughs> and I think we ended up doing about three fanzines. They'd flown us in, in, in business class to Paris to talk to, talk to a, few, a few spotty kids, you know, doing fanzines, which was a bit crazy. Uh, but we had a nice time, you know. <laughs> well, you can't not have a nice time. In we had lunch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you had a cheeseburger in somewhere quite posh, but we'll get to that in a second. All right. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah, I think, I think the word Philistine was thrown in somewhere, but... Where have we been? <laughs> right, let's get to it then. I'll let, I'll, let you, I'll let you crack on. Here it comes, yes. A new year. <sighs> Friday, 16th of June. Home, Paris. Couldn't sleep again. Sue had arranged a wake-up call. The alarm clock is broken for 6am. Got up at 7.55 and waited for the phone to ring. Sue's mum and dad arrived today for a very rare visit to England. They land at 7, so Sue's driving to Heathrow at 6.30 while I get Sophie and Niall up and dressed. The driver of my car got lost and called me from Adderbury to ask for directions. I dressed the kids and finished packing for Paris and Utrecht. The car, a blue Jaguar, arrived at 7.45 and I put Sophie and Niall in the back seat. They sat there like a little prince and princess, grinning at their first experience of being chauffeur-driven. I dropped them at Heloisa's, a Brazilian friend who had offered to drop them at school and set off for Heathrow Terminal 4, keeping an eye on the oncoming traffic for Sue returning home. I think I saw her, but at 160 miles an hour, it's hard to be sure. Met up with Steve R and John A in the terminal and popped to the club lounge for a quick coffee before boarding the 10am flight to Paris Orly. As I write this, I'm sitting in the aeroplane waiting for takeoff, feeling the usual semi-nausea which tends to accompany the mornings after sleepless nights. Today is a promotion day in Paris. I'm looking forward to being there, even for this. Spiritually, I've always felt more at home in France than in England. We're staying at the Hotel California, just off the Champs-Élysées, where the last time I locked myself out of my room four times in one morning. On the third occasion, the security lock somehow engaged and they had to send a man up a ladder to climb in through the window. Tomorrow, we shall be reunited with the rest of the band for a fan club evening in Utrecht, Holland. We've been rehearsing for this the past few days and my body is still hurting from the sudden return to several hours of singing. The way I sing, physically and emotionally, is very demanding and when I haven't been singing for a while, it takes a week or so before I stop feeling like I've been fired out of a cannon. Tomorrow should be fun. A long-awaited return to being in the same room as the people who care as much about the music as we do. The fans, bless them. 
It's been nine long months since the roar of the grease paint and the smell of the crowd, and I suspect I'm in desperate need of being reminded of why I do what I do. Lately, I've begun to wonder. Saturday, 17th of June, Paris, Utrecht. Last night, after a busy afternoon talking to the press, we were taken out to Café Marley, a restaurant that occupies part of the Pyramid Square in the Louvre. It was a nice evening. There was a good sky. I played the culinary philistine and ordered a cheeseburger while gazing out on the timeless genius of the ornate buildings and watching Paris's young lovers arm in arm, winding their way carelessly across the square. It was a little saddening to remember that blissful feeling of first being in love and to know that it inevitably fades to something more mundane. We returned to the hotel around midnight, and only then did we realise that we had to be up at 7.30 to fly to Holland. At this moment I'm sitting in Charles de Gaulle Airport feeling slightly ill from the drink, and they've just called the flight to Amsterdam. Later. Rhinus from the Web Holland met Steve and I at the airport and took us to a motel just outside Utrecht. We were tired after the early start in Paris, so we killed a couple of hours at the hotel. I went to bed and slept for an hour, then got up around one and ran myself a hot, deep bath. Luxury. We left the hotel at two, and Hank, a physical therapist and swimming instructor, drove us to the Tivoli Theatre where we were greeted by several old chums and familiar faces. I chatted to René, who runs the fan club, and helped myself to coffee and strawberries before going up on stage to check the monitors. It wasn't the crystalline sound that I'd become used to back at the racket club, where I use a pair of concert sound wedges, £3,000 a pair, with a sound to die for, but it wasn't at all bad. So I thanked Eric, the monitor engineer, and left the stage. The rest of the band were due to arrive from England around four, which was when the doors were to be opened to the public, so it was touch and go as to whether the band could sound check together. In the event, Ian, Pete and Mark arrived at 3.45, so it was okay. Everyone seemed happy and well. We returned to the hotel around five, and I decided to have a swim. I could see the pool area from my window and it had been deserted all day. It's nice to have the pool to yourself. I called on Ian and gave him a bottle of Rodera champagne for his birthday, 16th, on my way down to the pool. I got changed in the women's changing room by mistake. It could have been controversial, but I was alone down there. Floated around in the pool for a while and then returned to my room to phone home. It was raining in England, as usual. It was raining in Holland too. Sue said everyone's fine, so I said I would call tomorrow from the Wembley Hilton after sound check at the Mean Fiddler. Back at Tivoli, it had become a familiar routine. First, we go on stage and answer questions from the audience. Someone decided to insult us with references to the new songs not being very good, etc. So I told him I didn't like his shirt. That was about the most memorable moment from Question Time. Someone else asked what inspired us to make this music. I tried to explain. Came off stage for more or less public interviews and then got ready for the show. The crowd were in fine form, singing many of the songs with such power that I kept stopping to listen to them. 
My onstage sound was good, and I felt that I was singing better than ever. The rest has done my voice no end of good. No doubt when we return here to play the Ahoy in October, I'll be as hoarse as a bat again from two months hard living and hard singing. Every show I ever experienced in Utrecht has had the atmosphere of a birthday party, and this was no exception. What a way to earn a living. I don't take it for granted. I have experienced much in my working life. I have dug holes in the road with shovels and pneumatic drills. I've set up market stalls at 5.30am and sold fruit and vegetables. I have worked in dirty factories in the industrial north of England. I have played rock and roll in nightclubs on ocean liners and been attacked with broken glass by nutjobs and stitched up without anaesthetic by Swedish sailors. I've been a graphic artist for the British Ready Mixed Concrete Association. I have made records in large country mansions and French castles. I've sat frozen in the open air of a helicopter platform, stood alone on remote mountaintop glaciers and narrowly escaped a mid-air crash in Iceland. Danced in the shanty streets of the suburbs of Rio, sat waist-high in the Caribbean in Venezuela, and that's only the half of it. I have forgotten many precious moments and inexplicably remember rubbish. Every word of certain Boney M songs, for example. At this moment, I'm a few days behind with this journal. I'm actually sitting in the gardens of the Hotel Diane Milan, enjoying breakfast and the morning sunshine, and trying to cast my mind back to Harleston. Sunday, 18th of June, Amsterdam, London. It would seem I am writing this diary in airport lounges. I'm sitting at gate C1 in Amsterdam's Schiphol Airport. In a few moments, I will board the BD-104 flight to Heathrow and find my way to seat 4C. Tonight, we have the UK fan club evening at the Mean Fiddler in Harleston, not one of London's beauty spots. Later. We arrived at the Mean Fiddler around lunchtime, feeling somewhat jaded. My first impression of the venue was a series of large posters along the outside wall sporting Paul Cox's photograph of me, gold trousers, half-naked, holding up a pair of enormous paper wings at Battersea Power Station. A great photograph, but it does make me look like a self-important wanker. Soundcheck was brief and painless, and the vocal sound needed no work at all. I complimented monitor man Grant, who bore a remarkable resemblance to Sting, on his sound and set off to the Wembley Hilton, where I was hoping to go to bed for much-needed sleep. First, I had to finish the interview with Rhinus from the Web Holland, who'd come over to England with us. We chatted in the bar while, on TV behind us, the All Blacks were giving England a thrashing to remember in the Rugby World Cup semi-final. When Rhinus was finished with me, I went upstairs and climbed into bed. I slept for an hour before Sue telephoned to organise the evening. She was to drive into town with her mum and dad, who, despite my misgivings, had decided they wanted to come to the show. They've never seen me sing live in the 20 years I've known them. This is their only chance in the foreseeable future, so there was no putting them off. We decided Sue should bring the car to the Hilton and take a cab to the gig as I would already be there. 
I was picked up at the hotel by Tim Brickers, our old friend and production manager, straight back from a tour with The Pretenders. Inside the venue, I launched immediately into autographs and photographs for the assembled fans. It was busy inside the gig and hot. Soon it was time to go on stage and do our thing. We decided to go on stage one at a time. First me. I sang Cover My Eyes from the piano, fronting out various bum notes along the way. Pete then joined me for a vocal and bass guitar rendition of an old B-side, The Bell in the Sea. Next came Steve R for Sugar Mice, then Mark for A Collection, and finally Ian for Beautiful. The stage sound had changed utterly now that the place was full of bodies, very dry and defined, which was good for me, although too lifeless for the rest of the band. Pete came off stage complaining about the sound, but I can't remember him ever being happy after a show. The crowd were much more restrained than the Utrecht mob, although as I looked out from the stage, every face expressed a kind of transfixed joy. Sometimes people party, sometimes they quietly savour every moment. After the show, I chatted to our agent, Ian Huffham, who seemed relaxed and happy with ticket sales for the forthcoming September tour. They went on sale two days ago and are already selling steadily. I managed to make my way out into the gig and grappled with the usual chaos of friends and fans, met up with Sue's mum and dad and attempted to make conversation while having my photograph taken with people's girlfriends and signing yet more album covers. There was a car outside to take us back to the Wembley Hilton. Sue and her parents made their way outside while I said a couple of last goodbyes. Sue later told me there was a couple of tall, pretty blonde girls outside who announced that they were jealous of her as they would both like to have my children. Oh, good. Just what the in-laws want to hear, I'm sure. Sigh. I finally made it outside and into the waiting car and we made our way home. Sue drove while I chatted to her mum and dad between my heavy sighs of tiredness. Got to bed around 1.30am, feeling like parts of my mind and body were still lost in different parts of the world. And we're back. Yeah! And it's only been three days. <laughs> Popped out for a loaf. Exactly, <laughs> went, exactly. Went to Rio. I know. And it literally is three days. It was like a Mosley, Mosley weekend in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, my Wi-Fi died and, and proper died. Proper proper dead, not a, not a glitch. Proper went, lost it for like four hours. That's strange. So, so, so we, we're back on Thursday. So this is all a bit panicky now because this is due out tomorrow for yes. the Purples, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. You think you're um, panicking, blind? Yeah. <laughs> we'll get it out. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get it It'll out. be fine. <laughs> we'll be fine. Um, so we've just had some diary. Um, the first diary from 1995 um and um and i've got questions i've got a lot of questions and none of them are going to take us forward i don't think in terms of 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 knowledge about your life but they're all worth asking we've got to start with the fact that you locked yourself out of a hotel room enough times that somebody had to climb in through a bedroom window (laughs) yeah 
Yes, I don't know what brought that about. I think I think I was probably uh, probably hung over, um, mm. definitely and quite possibly drunk, uh, and definitely very distracted because I think we were doing lots of interviews and I was up and down to my room and every time I came down, I locked the key inside my room, and it must have been one of those where. Um, you know, one of those proper solid keys that want that they don't have spares of, because in the end, someone had to climb up a ladder from the street and through the window to gain access to my hotel room. Um, yeah, that's isn't that great that 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 well, it probably can't still happen, but it's great that it could still happen in the nineties in Paris. What a service! What a service. Doesn't matter if you lock yourself out, sir. Doesn't matter if all three of the keys we own are in the room, we've got a ladder. Yeah, I don't remember them smiling about it, if I'm really honest. <laughs> I can't believe that, the French not smiling about something like that. Service Did they not see a, the funny side? Service with a snarl, I think it was. <laughs> a grimace. <laughs> yeah, you, you, there's a lot of things in this section of Die that, that chimed. You, you mentioned being semi-nauseous on an early morning flight. Mm. which I think you said came from lack of sleep. But I used to catch a lot of uh, of sort of 5 five a.m. flights to Germany, and I always always felt dreadful on them. When I they, got up at like 3.30 in the morning, right. for some reason felt dreadful on the flight. Yeah, well, it's the pressure, isn't it? Because uh, it's strained. Apparently there's evidence it stresses all your internal organs flying. Um so I think it can mess with you. I, I've, I've, I remember once was landing at Heathrow and I just suddenly felt dreadful. And I mean, really dreadful. And once I got off the plane and into the terminal, I felt all right again. So I think it is a pressure differential thing, just messes with you. It might even be other stuff. It might be, I don't know, gravity. <laughs> Bill Gates. It's bound to be something Bill Gates is doing. It, you know, it's probably it's probably pulling G's, man. <laughs> pulling G's. <laughs> I used to get that thing, or still do get that thing, if I've got an issue with my sinuses, I get a really piercing pain, like at the top of my nose and across the top of my forehead. So if I've got, like, blocked sinuses and then we're coming into land, get a real piercing pain. Lynetta real... goes deaf on one side for, for days after she flies. Sometime. The side you're on. <laughs> <laughs> Might to solve that mystery. <laughs> That's what she tells me. Anyway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just putting it out there. <laughs> I'm going to bring us back down to earth with a bump and with a flight <laughs> reference. Uh, but you did put something in that made me think. You 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 wrote that it'd been nine long months. Um, since you'd, you'd been gigging and you suspect, I mean, you suspect you're in desperate need of being reminded what it is that you do, lately you had begun to wonder. Do you, do you, does it hit you hard when you, you have time away from the road in that respect? Yeah, well, it, it, I was talking to Richard Barbieri about this actually not that long ago and he was saying he couldn't imagine walking onto a stage. Because he hadn't, for, you know, for such a while. He, he, he thought he wouldn't be able to do it. And you can get to that point where you think, oh, oh I don't think I could do that anymore. Um, 
and I felt like that a few times. But you, you know, as soon as you get up there, you, you, you're surprised at how comfortable you are. Mm. But when you sat at home, living, you know, the the in inverted commas normal life, um, and God knows I don't, but it's all relative. Um, you can sort of it all starts to feel like a strange dream. You know, climbing onto a tour bus would be so weird now. Um, I think I'll be giddy with excitement. Ah, <laughs> ah. Um, a couple, a couple of things then to finish. Um, you, may, you, you, you do a lovely little thing where you go through um, the things that have happened to you in, in your life, and you, you know, you go back to drilling holes and. And serving fruit and veg on a market stall and all those kind of things, and then the, the you know you also mentioned the things that you um, the the things that you've probably forgotten, the amazing things that have happened that you've probably forgotten, but also the fact that you could you know you can remember the lyrics to a particular Boney M song. Yeah. So I'm going to have to ask you what the song is. Well, it it it's probably um, Brown Girl in the Ring. In the Ring. Or or by the Rivers of Babylon. Or Ra Ra Rasputin, lover of the Russian queen. <laughs> I was lying. I mean, if you was to throw that, if you was, <coughs> if you, it's early, if you were to throw that um, gauntlet down, I probably can't remember the words of any of these Boney M songs, but I probably could in the 90s. You're going to have to do one for the Crooncast, aren't you? <laughs> you got to do Boney M for the Crooncast after the after the joy of Beethoven last week, <laughs> which was fantastic. Uh, I thought that was great. You have to do Boney M this week. <laughs> Boney M, right? Leave that with me. <laughs> There's your challenge. <laughs> and lastly, before we tie up for this for this episode, it seems weird because we've only just started recording, but obviously it isn't because it's the end of the it's the end of fifty five. Mm. Um, you you mentioned that photograph. Fifty six. Photograph actually. of you I in the. To pull you up, but it's fifty six, Anthony. Oh, you're right. It is. It's fifty six. Yeah, I'm only right because I've got it written down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it was written down in front of me as well. Um, you mentioned that photograph. The photograph of you in the gold trousers with the wings. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Self-important wanker. I think, <laughs> I, think, I, think you, I think you put in the diary. Well, it was art. Um... <laughs> No, it was on the, it was on the wall in the alleyway into the main fiddler up in uh, Harleston, and and it would be there um, on the one day. Being a, my ex-wife's mum and dad, who I never really got very got on very well with anyway, that was the only time they ever saw me on a stage. Was was there because they just happened to be in in England from South Africa. And as luck would have it, as we walked up the kind of passageway into the main fiddler, there's this poster of yours truly, half naked in gold trousers with wings on on the wall, um, which was about the, the last photograph of me on earth I would have liked them to have seen. And there it was, life-size, in uh, right next to them. It steamed up the mother-in-law's glasses a bit. And then I think, as I said in the in the diary, you know, the, within moments of them setting eyes on that, there was a couple of blonde girls who said they wanted to have my babies. 
uh, in earshot, which is not what you, your in-laws want to hear, really. I think my current in-laws would have found it quite amusing. <laughs> quite amusing. My ex-in-laws didn't have a sense of humour. In fact, my the first time I met my current in-laws, Lynetta's dad, Sonny, um, you know, I thought this must be really weird for, for them, you know, to have their daughter bringing home this foreign rock star. <laughs> that doesn't happen every day. They're probably well nervous. And he said to me, this band you're in, I went, yes. Uh, he said, do you have hula hula girls? <laughs> he was much more interested in whether there was any sort of tarts at the back singing than, than what I did. So I thought, oh, we're going to get on very well. <laughs> and we do. <laughs> That's, it's always a good start, isn't it? <laughs> I, had to look, I had to look it up. I didn't know what a hula hula girl was. I think it goes back to the 50s. I think it does. <laughs> well, well, we'll finish up there for 56. Be a good name for a band, wouldn't it? Steve Hogarth and the Hula Hula Girls. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a little side project. Phil Brown wants me to have a band entirely composed of women for some reason. Right. He's not he's... thinking back to the Robert Palmer video, is he? <laughs> I don't know what he's thinking back to. Shudder to imagine. I guess somebody contacted me this week from Tape Op magazine hmm. because they've got an article on Phil Brown and they wondered if we'd like to see it. Oh, so, Phil Brown. Uh, I'm, I'm arranging to get that sent over so we can we can... I don't know how interesting Phil Brown in tape hop will be. I imagine it's quite technical. It might be. It might be. I'd, I'd find that quite amusing because yeah. he avoids any kind of technical talk like the playing when he's around me because he knows I'll pretend to be nodding off. <laughs> I'll get it. I'll get it sent across, and we'll we'll uh, we'll follow up on that and see if there's anything in there. I can't imagine there's any juice, but you know, no, you never there know. won't be any juice. <laughs> He might express a, 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 a dis, distaste for a certain compressor and it might be big news in the... It'll be just a lot of red hatred about digital desks. That's what it'll <laughs> <Yeah>. be. <laughs> I'll follow up on that one. Anyway, um, lovely to see you. Um, Likewise. Twice, twice this week. Mm. And, um, and, and we, but we've got an odds, odds and sods to do, so we'll, we'll crack on and, and do that. Um, and for everybody else, we'll see you next time. See you next time, everybody. Thanks for listening. Oh, and I should say, thanks for all the birthday messages. By the rivers of purple where we sat down. Thank you, Trevor Burgess and Alex Burt By the rivers of purple good place to be. Thank you, David Heath. And that's it this week. Nick Lauder wrote in to say I pronounced his name wrong last week. And Martin L. as well, who's really Martin Smallhausen Landmead. By the rivers of Purple Land.
She looks like a sugar in a plum, plum, plum. Thanks for listening to the Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights and me, Ant Short, with the questions. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. You could even share with other like-minded souls, should the mood take you. This has been an A Short Stories production.